0: This episode of the Town Tailgate Podcast, what are we talking about, Julio?
1: Well, we're joined by our first guest, our good friend from Manioc, Mr. Mason Livingston. We're going to be talking about the elephant in the room, the Oakland A's brawl against the Houston Astros in the fallout format, followed by what, Chris?
0: Then we go into deep detail detail about the lawsuit the A's just filed against the California Department of Toxic Substance Control and their alleged lack of regulation against the Schuster Steel Uh, Company and their pollution in the West Oakland Bay and how it affects their residents and what the A's motives are moving forward. Then what do we got going on?
1: And finally, we're going to be closing about one of the biggest rivals for the Oakland A's. That's right, folks. It's the Bay Bridge Series time, starting this weekend against the San Francisco Giants and followed by a couple games against the Arizona Diamondbacks. But, Chris, it's time. Let's throw some hot dogs on the grill. Let's crack open a cold one.
0: Let's get it going, folks. Welcome to the tailgate. First place, we are in first place after a very successful um, stand against the fucking cheaters that are the Houston Astros nine game win streak. Yeah, we're in the first asterisk. place. Julio feels good yeah, to yeah, be in yeah. first place. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's um, it's weird because if you listen to last week, we we're kind of like, cool, we're in first, yeah, and now we're like, <laughs> fuck yeah, we're in first.
0: Like exactly. we can say it with authority.
1: I'm happy about that.
0: Exactly. Uh this is the Town Tailgate podcast. I am Chris Matrical, that is Julio Renoso. We have a guest for the first time this week, Julio. Are you excited? Our first ever guest.
1: Our first guest, that's right. We have a lifelong friend really from Anyok as well. Uh, this is when we thought of our guest. We knew for sure this guy was going to be he had to be the first person. So please welcome Mr. Mason Livingston. Welcome Welcome
2: back. to the podcast, Mason. oh I know this is a vis- uh, an audio format, but people can't see that I'm blushing right now because it's too nice. I love you. You guys. also have too
0: much of a beard, so we can't see you blush no matter yeah, what exactly, your hair, exactly. your red Irish hair covers it up. Red.
1: So uh, the three of us, if you don't know, real quick, uh, we all grew up within a mile from each other, more or less. And um, just like with, with Chris, the reason I know Mason so well is because of his siblings. Shout out to Morgan. Uh, but, here we are. So, glad to have you here.
0: Mason, uh, so, Mason literally grew up across the street from me. We are the same age. We um, are one month difference in birthday. He has been my lifelong best friend. And, Mason, funny thing, uh, when I told, when me and Julio talked about guests, so we talked about two weeks ago, we wanted to have a guest on, like, around, like, the four episode mark. And I was like, so, I'm going to call Rank on this one. I want to bring, I want Mason to be our first ever guest on the podcast because, one, uh, he knows he has a lot of passion about the A's. He knows a lot. I think he can bring a lot of perspective and open-minded thinking to the table. And also, he's my best friend. So, nepotism at his finest. And then Julio said, LOL, I was thinking the exact same thing. So, so he also, agreed. we
1: needed somebody <laughs> when we got to the main segment today who would be smart to talk about it. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> well, you guys are teeing me up to uh, disappoint, but I'll try to, you know make it to the mendoza line we're just
0: excited man this is our first guest so uh, you know we get to, like the feed off of three people instead of just me and him um oh, which right. is great i mean we do, we we do well but you know it'd be nice to have another perspective in here so uh mason why don't you tell us your um your ace fandom story um how how did you become an ace fan
2: yeah so i was born into ace fandom like many of us were Uh, My dad was born in 1945, so when he was growing up in Sacramento, there was no local sports team. He he liked Hank Aaron. He followed the Braves. Uh, But then he went into the Peace Corps, got back to California in 1971, and of course they three-peated in 72, 73, 74. So he really jumped on that bandwagon and became a lifelong fan at that point. Uh, I was born on the day that Ricky Henderson broke the all-time steel record. No way. 1st, 1991. Oh, shit, yes. Not. So it was just destiny that I was going to be an A's fan. Um, but, you know, I've had a lot of time to think about why I'm such a big fan. I might have mentioned this to you, Chris. Julio probably doesn't know the story, but while I was in college... I like to dabble in some hallucinogens, and I did sh- I did shrooms one day, and I had a poster in my room, it was a canvas print of the Coliseum, and I spent, it was at least an hour, just staring at this print of the Coliseum, <laughs> contemplating, why am I such a big fan, like, why am I dedicating all this time and energy into something that I have
0: no control over? That sounds like such a and, Mason thing to think about, whether you're like on hallucinogens or not.
2: Uh, yes, yeah, so par for the course. Uh, I'm tripping balls, staring at the poster, and now I'm really at peace with my fandom because I realize that baseball is family. Baseball is community. It's rooting for something bigger than yourself. It helps mark the passage of time. You know, hope springs eternal. Every March, we get together, start saying, you know, this is going to be our year. Uh, it teaches you um, how to handle heartbreak well. And to savor the good moments because you know that a losing streak is right around the corner. There's no game clock in baseball. Your team always has a has a shot of coming back and winning. Um, and we've seen with the Marlins recently. You know, all those players get uh, COVID, and yet they're still able to pull together some wins. So regardless of the team that you're fielding, even the worst team can beat the Yankees uh, if things click right. Does your
1: par- Does your fi- sorry? Does your family know about that story?
2: Yeah, Uh, uh, I do not think I've shared that with them. I know you guys are uh, pretty uh, open
1: with telling like wild stories and stuff. I just
2: wasn't
0: sure about that. I'll uh, make sure to send them the RSS. (laughs) Hey, just a
1: heads
2: up. (laughs)
0: Um, that's that's very existential, but at the same time, like, uh, I feel like that's so like it's so um, what's the word I'm looking for? Fast Uh, and furious?
1: About no, definitely
0: (laughs) that's definitely not the thing that I'm trying to think of the word at all. What whatsoever? Um. It's definitely, like, highly correlated to life, I feel like, because there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be disappointments. But, like, just knowing, like, what your, like, goals are and then, like, going for that and knowing that there's going to be disappointment on the way and just, like, fighting through it and, like, moving forward. And for some reason, it. you just love something and you can't explain why. Some For some reason, yeah. you have an emotional attachment to it, but and it's going to let you down at some points, but it's also going to be there for the highest points of your life. Um, As Billy Bean said,
2: how do you not get romantic about baseball? Exactly. Fantastic.
0: So uh, what's Fantastic. your favorite moment as, a, uh, as an A's fan?
2: Yeah, you know, it's also a lot of this is going to tie back to family because that's such <laughs> an uh, integral part of my fandom. But I was in basic training in uh, spring of 2010. And at this point, my father and I didn't have the best relationship. And we weren't talking all that much. But Dallas Braden threw that perfect game on Mother's Day. And he sent me a cutout, a clipping of the game, uh, and wrote me a really nice letter that I still have. And I didn't even get to watch it, but it just reminded me that, you know, it's so much bigger than baseball. But this is just a little microcosm of life.
0: That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty cool. I, I can't. I can't imagine your dad doing that either, which is probably the coolest part about it. Um, uh, do you still have that letter? I do, yeah. Nice. Uh, I have
2: the I have the cutout of the the perfect game, and That's then awesome. the letter That's to it. Awesome. Uh, what's the best game you've seen in person? So I listened to episode one with you guys, and it's somewhat similar to yours, Chris. I think you were at game 18. I was at game 19 of the 20-game streak. Ooh. Miguel Tejada walked it off the day before. He hit that home run. The game that I went to, he hit a walk-off single up the middle. Yeah. And my family, we were That was those during losers the streak, right? Were... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so in that 20-game win streak, we were at game 19. My family would leave early in a lot of games because my parents didn't like traffic. We stayed till the very end of that one. It was just so raucous being in the concourse with fans chanting, let's go, Oakland, and the place was just vibrating. And, you know, especially at 11 years old, it really just uh, solidified that fandom. Yeah,
0: I think – so I think I picked – I think that was a close second for me, but I think the one that I eventually picked was – the 2013 game two that we went to remember it was like it was like me you um chris martinez was there uh ryan was even ryan singh was even there michael santa maria was there like my whole family was there and we all sat in the same section in the third deck and just when when Vogt hit that that single we all just like lost our minds that like i i think that memory i treasure more than um than the 18th walk-off because Especially with the steroids and everything, and finding out about Tejada's personality and how he's kind of a dick, um, it kind of like ruined that memory a little bit for me because he was like a childhood hero. Whereas like Sonny Gray to this day is still one of my like all time favorite players just because of that game and how he went toe to toe with the best pitcher in the league and was like and completely shut him down. But um, I was um thinking yeah, about... that streak just especially those last three games, all those walk offs. Oh my god, greatest greatest moment. Um, definitely sports moment of my life like just period Um, and probably just in general like it's just being more like
1: greatest of sports moment in your life more than like any of the Warriors titles
0: yeah man I I have a closer connection with the A's than I do the Warriors oh yeah yeah I feel you I feel
1: you but interesting okay okay yeah
0: what were you gonna say before uh, I cut uh, you um, off sorry
1: yeah you're good I uh, if you go if you're friends with us on Facebook and I'm assuming a lot of you people who do listen to are. If you just go look through like our old photos, you're gonna see a ton of pictures of the three of us at games with groups of people. Oh my even god! If, yes. Even if like we didn't planning on going together, we somehow were like oh shit, look like, Chris here tailgate. Do- yeah, tailgate. And um, I-, I we spoke about this yesterday when we had the show prep. I think one of my favorite memories of being at a game with you guys all together, and I think we've all in the same boat, was Mason. Was yes. this your 16th birthday? 15th birthday?
2: Ooh, it was my 15th birthday. Yes. I was hoping uh, you'd bring this up.
1: your family had got a suite at the A's game and a bunch of dumb high schoolers. And we weren't really paying attention to the game because it was the NBA playoffs and it was like the Wizards and the Cavs were just going back and forth. And so I forgot who hit the game winner, but our suite just like erupted. And then I forgot about this part. You mentioned there was, like, a legit food fight at one point. I had I mm-hmm. to re- remember that memory. <laughs> yes.
2: Uh, Clinton Hayes, shout out Clinton, got hit in the face with a hot dog covered in guacamole. <laughs> that's right! Uh, that's right. Just burned into my brain.
0: Uh, that was awesome. It was all-you-could-eat food, too. I mean, I, that was a surprise party, too, wasn't it, Mason? It was. I just showed up at the game
2: thinking it was going to be me and my sister and Chris Hofstad, and then i think you guys had a whole like white van full of people mm-hmm. showed up and that's one of the things that i love so much about being an ace fan is that it's so accessible like if you were a dodger fan and you want to do something like that like you had to be uh a really wealthy person to be able to rent out a suite but at the A's, you could rent a box for a very reasonable price and they're just so accommodating and want you to have a i
1: forgot time. who i was talking to about this chris it might have been with you it was pretty recently um there's not many stadiums in the country that are as accessible as the Coliseum is with trans- with having BART there. I think of like Yankee Stadium, um, like Subway's right there, even AT&T or Oracle, sorry. Uh, you still got to walk a little bit to get to the stadium. But like it's like the commercial says, it's literally BART and you're there. And there's not many places where you can do that.
0: But also, Julio, like, the parking. So, like, Yankee Mm -hmm. Stadium has no parking at all. You pretty much have to take the train. So, it's like, I wonder if if the accessibility from both public transportation and car makes the tailgating such a big part of the culture, you know? I wonder if – I feel like that's got to be a reason why, right?
1: Yeah, it could be. And um, I I think if you you just look back at Oakland sports as a whole and you think about all the Raider tailgates – We'd go through all our lives. It's super family oriented. Yeah. Everybody totally. is there. It's all family members or it's people who they're pretty much their family and mm-hmm. eating and drinking is a big thing that family do together. So,
0: 100%. Um, all right. So let's, uh, let's jump into the podcast. Huh guys? Sound good? News. Yeah. All right, so let's get to the news around the league. Um, only a couple things that we felt were worth talking about this week. Um, so the first piece of news is, again, more COVID news. Um, I know some of the listeners are probably getting a little burnt out on it, but every fucking week someone does something stupid, so we have to talk about it. Uh, Mike Clevenger and uh, what's Plisak's first name? Zach. Zach Plisak. Um After uh, Ad, or Adam Plisak, sorry. Or no, Adam Plisak. Zach. Um, Zach Plesac. Um, right, after Plesac won his um uh, first ever um major league start or something like that, yeah, um, they were in Chicago. They wanted to go out and celebrate, um. So Mike Clevenger and Zach Plesac, uh, went out um to a couple bars around um, town and <laughs> met up with some friends of Clevenger apparently, um they didn't tell the team where they were going um they didn't clear it they just did it knowing that they were going to get in trouble um i guess police that came back around like 3 a.m um and but clevenger didn't come back at all he didn't show up until the next morning so he was out all fucking night doing god knows what he Um, seems like the on top of of that on top of yeah definitely on top of that um they didn't tell anybody that they were out um because um, they didn't find out, and the next day they go and they play a game. Um, they're in the locker room their teammates. They're around um, the Cubs team teammates on on or Cubs team on on the field and whatnot. And it isn't until that night that the word gets out, and they find out, and they get in trouble. So they potentially, I I haven't heard any test back or anything like that, but they potentially could have endangered f- 20, 40 What my math is gonna be terrible. Forty six. I don't know. A lot of um, people. A lot of fucking people. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, including staff. A lot of fucking people for just being fucking stupid. And, you know, I don't know. I I forgot who it was, but someone, uh, one of their teammates, um, veteran <laughs> teammates, had a press conference um, right after that and, like, totally called them out. I think it was Jose Ramirez or something like that. Or, no, it was Carlos um, Carrasco
1: because he – Was it Carrasco? Yeah, because he has to be super cautious about everything because he's a cancer survivor. So he's – He's in kind of a in the more higher risk range, so like yeah, that's ir- it's extremely irresponsible and
0: yeah, he's in the most danger. So and I think he said something like, um, "I'm definitely not going to make excuses for them. It was really stupid. We're uh, we're definitely taking care of it in house, but uh, there's no excuse for that behavior. It's completely like careless and whatnot. It was very interesting. So yeah, Julio, your thoughts?
1: It reminds me a lot of when Rudy Gobert first being the first major athlete becoming positive. And it shent, sent shockwaves because all of his teammates were losing a lot of trust. It sounds like he was being pretty, he wasn't taking this seriously at all. and needed the whole microphone thing. And now that we heard a lot of these stories about him and Donovan Mitchell weren't getting along for a while, well, what's going to happen now with Cleveland? We probably won't see the full fallout until at least the middle of next week, because that's usually how long it takes for the infection to take over your body. So if we start seeing positive test results by the next Wednesday, then I think he should just get suspended. They should get banned for the season. Just get him out there. Um, but if, Absolutely. if that, if they turn out, okay. Um, Terry Francona has had a history of, if you are not being a team player and you're, just not playing by the rules. You're out of here. Case in point, Trevor Bauer last year had that huge – I still remember it like yesterday. had that huge blow up. He threw the ball like all the way to center field. And then uh Fram It's was like, what the fuck are you doing on the mound? Um, yeah, it's going to be huge repercussions, especially since like Indians out, outside of the A's as of right now, Wednesday, August 12th, have the best rotation probably, have the best pitching staff in general. And you're losing Clevenger, who he hasn't been as well as he could be right now. He's still doing pretty solid, and please act. They have some hype around him. You're losing two arms in that in a short so, season. So,
0: so I could be wrong, but isn't Terry Francona doesn't isn't he also hasn't he been fighting cancer for a couple of years as well? Like, oh, isn't he someone else who's in like really bad health? He had, uh, I
1: think he had mouth cancer at one point. I think he was a big chewer. Mason, do you I'll know by chance?
0: I'm trying to look it up. Yeah, so am I. Um, it doesn't have anything. I'm on his Wikipedia. It doesn't have anything specific, but um, uh, he, he underwent had some surgery. He had irregular regular heartbeat. heartbeat. Um, yeah, um, yeah. So Mason, what, what are your? How do you feel about this whole situation?
2: The way I see it is nobody's forcing these guys to be here. If you want to go out and live like COVID's not a serious threat, that's your prerogative. But you're jeopardizing other guys' health. And I just think it's, when it's a 66-game season, we're not asking these guys to quarantine for six months. It seems completely reasonable to me to ask them to stay. (laughs) They all have the means to be able to order food in, so there's just no excuse for it. And it's just frustrating, and I'm with Julio. I almost, when people do something like this, I think there needs to be a minimum suspension. Uh, Even if you don't get infected, even if you don't spread anything to anybody, I think something like five games for violating protocol should just be at least the very first uh, step.
0: Yeah, I mean the the so they're purposefully breaking the rules. The same thing that the Cardinals did when they went to casino, same thing that the Marlins do when they went to the fucking strip club. Like it's just it's just irresponsible allegedly, and allegedly,
1: stupid. Allegedly, allegedly. No,
0: I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> but what are they going to do? Sue me for saying this? I mean, everybody in the fucking sports media is saying it. Um uh-huh. it, it it it's just it yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And, and I, I think that if, if you go out of your way to break this protocol and you test positive, then it should be more than five games. It should be like a 10 game suspension. It should be like a major suspension, like a PED situation because it's just complete, um, uh, irresponsible irresponsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, just fucking celebrate in your hotel room with your teammates. You, like, just get ten of your teammates, five of your teammates in your hotel room. Grab some beers and just kick it. Like, why do you have to go out to a bar and celebrate? This just isn't the time and place for this. Like, you're getting paid millions of dollars to play this game. Like, just chill the fuck out. Just go
2: play Call of oh, They're not right, by
0: them.
2: The- <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, you're right. They're not by themselves. They have they're yeah, friends with yeah. them. <laughs> what are you yeah, doing? <laughs>
0: come on.
1: Mario Kart party all let's go celebrate like or, or you
0: can be a nerd like julio and play mario kart excuse
1: me mason too. <laughs> new switch owner yeah it's so fun um oh, well yeah and that's the thing too just to kind of like capitalize this like yeah you don't have to go up like the thing about having it be in quarantine right now is if there's any point in time for this to happen this is the time to do it when we yeah. literally have the world of entertainment at our fingertips where exactly. you can watch every movie ever made, every TV show, you can play any video game all at your fingertips. And that's an incentive. Like, well, I'm going to chill and watch this movie tonight. Mm -hmm. I'm going to play this tonight. Like, I don't get it. I really don't get it. And then when you go back home, get to be with your family, your, whatever else, and, and live a little bit of a normal life. I don't get it.
0: Um, okay. So the second piece of national news was that the Blue Jays, um, finally found a home in Buffalo, New York. So they, um, Played their first game last night, um, Tuesday, August eleventh, in the their minor league affiliate. I I think it was their. It might be, or is it the
1: Bison, the Buffalo Bison? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Think that's Buffalo Bisons. Bison's.
0: From what I've heard, it's supposed to be a pretty nice, top notch minor league facility. Obviously, it's not a major league stadium, but. It's supposed to be pretty nice, um, but it, it, again, it doesn't have any like stands in the outfield or anything like that. It's still at minor league stadium. But um, I didn't watch the game. Don't really know too much about it. I don't know if you guys happen to... Um, I just... So I a couple know, how they that, felt about playing there or something? I don't know.
1: Well, for one, you have to think about it. A lot of these guys have already been playing there. So, so, yeah, so oh, that's good point. So, and, and Vladivo and
0: Yeah, they have a pretty young a couple,
1: team. Yeah, they've all... They were all played there. So, like, they're pretty familiar with the grounds themselves. I'm sure they're pretty familiar with Buffalo and all that. Um, I did watch it tonight. It it looks good. Of course, the no outfield bleachers is a little bit weird. Um, But if I had to put my own personal opinion on it, I actually went to Buffalo last year for a wedding, Niagara Falls. Random.
0: Yeah. Oh, that makes sense.
1: Beautiful. It was a -a once-of-a-lifetime thing. Buffalo is one of the most boring cities I've ever been to in my life. If there's any any time to stay inside your hotel and do nothing and not feeling incentivized, like, oh, it's like when you're in L.A. or if you're playing in Atlanta or Chicago, you're like, oh, man, it's so hard to not go out. When you're in Buffalo, you're like, I'm okay with staying in. (laughs) Uh, My best description, Chris, no offense at all, Buffalo is Sacramento with another sports team
0: interesting because i actually really enjoy going out in sacramento i think they have really good midtown but i mean hey sure
1: but like if you're gonna go uh, compared to you drive an hour plus you go to san francisco or you can go to berkeley or or you go to
0: chico Eh, all right teach their own anyway (laughs) um (laughs) i don't know mason do you have any thoughts on the, the buffalo blue jays
2: no, I was just thinking. There's a reason why Marshawn Lynch wanted out of. Us,
0: <laughs> I,
1: I, and but. it's funny if you think about his how well we know his personality. There's no way he's like it's too cold here, bruh. You gotta yeah, get me out. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh
0: yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to um, the past week and the A's news. So um, you know we could start chronologically, but unfortunately, this is just too big of a story to to not start with. On Sunday, um, uh, August. Uh, Eighth, no, ninth, sorry, that was wrong. August oh, 9th. There you go. Um <laughs> uh in the uh what is the score? What was the score of that game? In a um seven to two win against the Houston Astros, uh I believe it was the seventh inning. Seventh or eighth inning. That no, was close to the, um, the game. Ramon Loriano gets hit by a pitch the third time um in the series, the second time that day. Um uh that was the fifth Hit uh, batter to be hit in the entire series against Houston. Um, he made some very interesting remarks towards the pitcher. I forgot the pitcher's name, I believe it's Bailey, um, about um, his slider because the way he was throwing his slider, it was not breaking. Um, and so it would just go aim straight at Loriano and not break into the zone. So he makes some smart ass remarks. The pitcher doesn't like it too much. He gets over it. They kind of separate them a little bit. Nothing happens. Ramon gets to first base, and the hitting coach for the Astros, Alex Cintron, starts talking out of the dugout. Um, he steps up to the top of the dugout. He starts talking more. Ramon starts yelling back at him. And then finally, Cintron steps up all the way onto the field. He says, let's go. I believe were the words that I saw him mouth, um, asking Loriano to um, come fight him. So L'Oreano goes sprinting at him luckily Dustin Gornell catches him beforehand takes him to the ground protects him his former t- former teammate obviously trying to keep him out of trouble and then a massive brawl is induced um, punishments came down yesterday uh, Tuesday the 11th um, Ramon Laureano, um was suspended six games he has decided to appeal that so he's able to still play Alex Cintron was suspended 20 games Boom. Um, he is not allowed to appeal that a lot to unpack here, boys. A lot to unpack here.
1: oh man. Well, one, I, I don't know if it was just like at a, it was like a cup of coffee time, but like I forgot Dustin Garneau was with the A's. Yeah, <laughs> must yeah. Have, I, uh, He must have been there either. It's like a, a month like or two. maybe months. He was a bullpen catcher. I completely forgot about that. Two months last
0: year, but the year before that, he was also there for about a month too. So he's uh, he's had a couple stints, um, very short stints, but he's had a couple stints there. He, couple, know, he knows of. those guys. He knows the team.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, that's the thing that kind of stood out. But uh, sorry, mom, dad, I know you talked. Said, oh, you guys, you guys cursed a lot, but sorry, fuck Alex and Tron. That guy's a scumbag, yeah. dude. That's and twenty games is a justifiable number, but I was I was ready for him to get suspended for this season, especially because oh, the big reason why they said it was so harsh, like you're in a position of leadership. You are supposed to be the person that kind of brings people down, doesn't spark it up. And the fact that you are still going with it, that's that's childish. And I love Ramon with the quote of the year, the dagger three from downtown, the walk-off grand slam, when asked if he regrets it, he said, I regret changing, I regret charging him because he's a loser. <laughs> Bang. Done. Get out of here uh and that's the thing and the other thing too of course your teammates are going to defend you and they're going to say oh there's on the wrong all this, all that usual stuff everybody said out Ramon is not that kind of guy he's a you know he plays with passion but he is not a, a a violent or somebody who wants to instigate and start shit up so for him to do that is pretty wild and i don't i don't think i don't know if you mentioned this but he had said something about, supposedly, he had said something to Ramon about his mother. And in multiple interviews, Alex and Chona, I denied it, yada, yada, yada. And I was talking with my dad about this yesterday because Marley Rivera from ESPN, she was tweeting about a big thing when it comes to Latin culture is you could talk shit about anybody you want to anybody, but if you say something about somebody's mother, that's that's game over. And my dad it's like, yeah, I was like, anytime I used to see my brothers get lit up, like if somebody said something about the bomb, it feels jokingly. So that's a huge, and he went to that vulnerable place and he knows what he was doing and it, it should have been more, but it, it's justifiable.
0: Um, to clarify, so Dustin Gourneau played 20 games with the A's in 2017 and then he played seven games with the A's last season, 2019. So yeah, I mean, like it wasn't like a long stint, but he knows the team and he, he knows the guys, you know, about a month or two each. Um, Yeah, Mason.
2: Yeah, this centrone man. I, have, <laughs> I was livid watching it. So I was at work. Uh, the group chat starts getting blown up. So then I go and watch it. I'm like, okay, centrone. Or uh, at first I'm like, oh, Lariano, he lost his cool. But then I rewatched the video from different angles and everything. And what a... He's just a bitch ass. <laughs> uh, it bothers me so much. Uh, and Lariano... You know, he's chirping, he's walking. It was done right there. And I think it bothers me even more that the coach then instigates this fight and just stays behind his players. Like, if you really wanted to get some, you know, go out and tee off. Do what you want to do, but you're just doing this faux saber rattling, and it's like a keyboard warrior. And it makes me so upset when people try... Ask for smoke, then when it's coming, they disappear.
1: And and (laughs) I think we gotta add even more to this because it's just the comedy factor. Ramon Laureano's not that big of a guy, right? I think Mm -mm. he's probably like 5'10. I'm bringing up the. I don't have here. He's like 5'10, 5'11 or so. Alex Catron's like 6'2, like 2 something. And he hid behind the team. Yeah. Not wanting any smoke. I'm like, get out of here, dude.
0: I mean, like, so I. we've all said it, but I just feel like it needs to be said a third time. Like this is a definition of just a little bitch. Like it's it literally like literally like this is just like everything about it. Obviously like all the A's fans listening right now, we're very biased. Obviously you're very biased. We all have our opinions on it. We all probably feel the same way, but like, it's just, uh, I think the the great thing about Louis, we can defend Laureano. He's not that type of guy. Blah blah blah. he was tripping at him at the pitcher, but not at, not at the guy, uh, or not, not at Cintron. Um, but to be fair, like I think this proves that, that L'Oreal's not that guy because most guys who got hit that many times, who obviously, y- you've been hit twice, three times in the series, twice that day, you have every right to be upset. Um, maybe not angry, but you have every right to be upset and frustrated and you're probably going to, after the third time, let it out a little bit. Probably most guys, um, Bryce Harper, just comes to mind for some reason because he has kind of a fiery uh, personality and he has a history of this, would start talking shit to the pitcher being like fuck you like let's go like you got a problem me blah, blah blah ramon didn't even do that he was just like he, i don't i can't tell if this is just like he's just a witty guy or he just was like all right i'm gonna just be a smart ass about it like bro you're just you're not flicking it enough you're not you're not getting that break on it it's just going straight at me like it, it's it's got it's got the spin but it doesn't have the it, it, it's not breaking you, just, you gotta just do it a little more 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 wrist and just like just talking shit to him in that way being very specific on it um, and, and you know what the worst part about this with the whole Citron situation. So Citron was the only coach on the Astros coaching staff that is carried over from the cheating scandal. Oh God! So so not only was he a part of the cheating scandal under the coaching regime, but he was a hitting coach. So he's the one who encouraged it. He's the one who got those those like notes and was banging the trash can. He's the one who did all that shit. He, he got promoted, like,
1: actually. He wasn't he, actually the hitting coach at the time. He was like he a wasn't? lower position. No, he was like an assistant I mean, hitting coach. And I mean, then like, when...
0: The, the, the uh, hitting department is the department that was the cheating. So he's the fucking issue. And for him to have the balls to talk shit to, to Loriano in that situation, like, where is this kid coming from? Like, what the fuck? Uh, have you seen his career numbers? Oh, they're bad. Are they pretty bad? Yeah. How is this guy a hitting coach? Ne-
2: negative 2.2 2 war... <laughs> Well, uh, I think he was like a 275 hitter, but so maybe that was the field, but regardless, he wasn't a Well, back of
1: quarterbacks, so the guys become the best like coaches, so not to be on his I, side, but also <laughs> cor- correction, Chris, we all didn't call him a little bitch. I said fuck that guy. Mason said he's a bitch ass. There's no,
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we all we all insulted him in different ways, but we all insulted him. That was, that Man, was what I was kidding. Um
1: about. I saw. I think you guys probably saw this. Uh, I, th- I can't remember if this was last night's game, Tuesday or Monday night's game. Three of the top five guys in baseball who are leading hit by pitch categories are all A's. It's Loreano really? Canna and Grossman. L'Oreano's tied in the Jesus.
0: lead. Jesus, I mean, he took there, was like, this there past was like weekend. five or six in that series alone. It was almost like they were targeting us. I don't know why. We're not the ones who cheated. Like, get, we're the ones who
1: of it I guess because of if fires there, if, if
0: there are any ace fans that that uh, missed this whole saga um, and you want to see it our twitter account town tail at town tailgate on twitter um, Julio manages that account I'm not allowed to because we'll probably get um, cancelled if I do um, <laughs> uh, just kidding uh, so uh, Julio retweeted a very good video by John Boy um, who breaks down and everything so you can go see it on our twitter account again at town tailgate on twitter follow us please um and um, you can go check out the whole saga, and it breaks it down. He gives, like, commentary, says, like, kind of talks about what, what the guys are even saying. Like, he reads their lips and talks about, like, what the guys are even saying when they're talking to each other and stuff.
1: And um, to kind of go with a little John Boy so if you haven't watched him, he's great. Go to check out his YouTube channel. And he's actually had a pretty decent influence in the baseball community now, too, because there's even been games where you hear, like, commentators or head managers have mentioned, like, oh, I didn't want to do anything because I didn't want to be on John Boy's page. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if Loriano's suspension wasn't as severe because I think we were all in the same boat. we were all like 10 15 games at least and when he got six, uh, it was like we'll take it yeah it's and now there's a there he is appealing it I don't know if we mentioned that earlier. he's appealing it and it it sounds like there might be a chance where it actually might get less. At least that's so, what Susan Slester was saying. There's like a chance that it might. So,
0: so Julio, me and you were texting about this a lot. We felt like six games was a lot less. Obviously, like you just said, less than we expected. We felt like now they like he should have just taken that and not tried to appeal it because with the series, we, we're obviously going to preview the series at the end of this podcast and we'll talk about it later in more depth. But the the teams that we have coming to town, um, the Giants and the and the um, the Diamondbacks, not too great of teams. Kind of like a nice little stretch where we don't... I, I feel like we don't necessarily need him in order to get through these teams. We could probably breeze through... Not breeze through, but we could probably get through them. Uh, manage without having... Which is, obviously, Laureano is probably our best player this season. We've talked about a lot on this podcast. Um <laughs> this is a uh, podcast. Yeah. Um, so, I feel like now is the, the best time to accept that punishment. Just move on from it. And then he can come back when the Angels are back in town next weekend. Um so this is a very interesting move. I mean, if it means that the, the suspension goes down, great. But um, if we don't hear back until, like, I don't know, the t- weekend of the 28th, 29th, and 30th, when we head to Houston and have to play the Astros again, like, that's a little worrisome. Um, and it would be tough to not have him in the lineup for that series. Um hmm. Do you think the Astros' punishment was fair? I was trying to
2: think about this. I think Centrone should have been suspended for the entire season, and I don't know if it would be fair to suspend the pitcher even if it was just an honest mistake. But suspending a center fielder is not the equivalent to uh, suspending a hitting well, coach. The, so I think.
1: Oh, sorry. Uh, well, the thing is, too. So Bailey was the guy, Bailey was the guy who hit at. Loriano, the first time around, I don't know what his first name was. Yeah. It's also funny because they were actually the guys who were traded for each other when he yeah. first got it from Houston. Yeah. Um, to quote Dave Stewart, "Thanks for Loriano, you cheaters." Yeah. Uh, but uh, Castellanos, I think, was his name, or Castillo's. Uh, Castellanos. Castellanos. Thank you. Uh, he was the pitcher that threw him, threw at him the second time on Sunday, but he also threw at him on Friday as well. Uh, Interesting. So- if anybody gets a suspension maybe him maybe just a fine the second time looked pretty innocent though
0: I couldn't agree more with the coaches because coaches the the, I mean you're supposed to be the adult on the field you're supposed to set the example there's no excuse for a coach one starting a fight and and one and two being involved in it at all whatsoever uh, um unless it's with like an umpire I guess I don't know I mean uh, hopefully not that either but um that it, it's just a complete fucking joke. That guy, he's part of the cheating regime. Uh, he one hundred percent should have been suspended for the entire season. And um, and I feel like the Astros shouldn't be able to hire a new hitting coach too. That should have also been part of the punishment. You're this guy's suspended. You can't you can't um, replace him. Like sorry, you shouldn't have cheated. You have to learn to hit on your own. Yeah. Uh, but it's
1: another thing too. Dusty Baker was ejected earlier in the game which is yeah. a pr- it was a pretty soft call that he got kicked out for. Yeah. If he was there, this doesn't happen.
0: No. And I think he, the he's, most he's that would hap- He's had a tough situation to deal with this entire yeah. year in the first place. Like,
1: I think Dusty Baker would have told Ramon to stay on first base, you little fucker, and then that was it.
0: So, so you, you say, you know, you say, like, the kind of, like, parody about the hitting coach like whatever like cool you have to learn that it's somewhere else Uh, the main job of a hitting coach in the Major League Baseball is putting together the the scouting reports against the pitchers like that's really the the main thing so if you don't have a hitting coach for that someone's got to take over that responsibility that's why I say that that's why it's a little bit more important all right interesting so let's move on um, the past week Um, so uh when we last spoke to you guys, the Rangers had just—I mean, the sorry, the A's had just beat the Rangers six to four. Well, the next day, Thursday, August sixth, they beat them again six to four, making the win streak go to seven in a row. Or no, uh, six in a row. Sorry. Um, so the Astros came to town and we whooped that ass. Uh, Friday the seventh, we beat them three to two. Um, Saturday the 8th we beat them 3-1 to the A's beat them 3-1 to sorry um, and then Sunday you know it's we whatever um, and then Sunday the 9th um, the A's beat them 7-2 to which was the Lloriana Brawl um, ending up with a 9 game win streak the uh, best record in the American League um, I think at the end of the night on the 9th they were the best record and winning percentage of the entire Major League Baseball if I if I have that right um and then um, the Angels came to town. We lost the first game in horrendous fashion, um, giving up a late home run uh, 9-10. to um, That was just another rough start for Sean Uh We're going to talk about him in just a little bit, but um, we'll just breeze through this. And then last night, the 11th, um, which will be Tuesday, so not last night for the listeners, um, we lost 0-6. to And then today, Wednesday, the 12th, we beat the Angels 8-4. to Pouncing back a little bit. Um, it was a little I, I was freaking out this morning with Julio texting him, like, this is fucking bad, man. We gave up ten runs the other night, we gave up six runs last night. Our offense didn't look, look good last night. I would be a little worried. If they win today, I'll feel a little bit better. But then I looked at the records of the rest of the American League. Everybody who was in, who was at the top of their division lost last night. So we still were if the playoffs started today, we'd still be the number one seed. So it didn't it kind of made me feel a little bit better, but Chris Bassett pitched a good game today. Um, Offense came alive. Um, I'll leave it at that for you guys.
1: And Well, the one thing I was trying to tell you um, about the Monday game was just weird. Uh, Yeah. So we had a very solid lead. Sean is just still not himself. Yeah. Um, And I think that was kind of a game that we're okay with losing for the sake of we have kind of our, our B guys when it comes to the bullpen in the game. Uh, Trevino is kind of – Trevino is a whole nother thing. I think th- this might be it for him. Um, but uh, So them losing that game makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday, I was trying to tell you, Dylan Bundy is like one of the best pitchers in the American League right now. Yeah, when you he... showed
0: me those numbers, I, I I was, you know, yeah. like, oh, shit. Okay. And
1: uh, it, sometimes that's all it takes. Sometimes it takes just a – Brand new environment, especially if you're getting lit up in Baltimore. Uh, Mason, you can probably know off the top of your head, but I think there's another pitcher who came, who was in Baltimore. That's actually oh, sorry, uh, Kevin Galsman He's actually pitching pretty well for the Giants lately, and just shows you like just get out of that ballpark, and it's going to bring you down. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't that it wasn't that hard. And but the one thing I I did write down, I, I'm so glad we only have one more series against the Angels because that 3-4-5 is fucking killing us. Yeah, man. Rendon had a
0: home run in every single game.
1: Yeah. The 3-4-5 of Trout, Rendon, Otani over the series hit four forty one. Which uh, is
0: crazy because Otani started off bad. Like, the first series against us, he was fucking trash.
1: Yeah. And now, like, these... If you And we had David Fletcher was doing some work against the A's. Um that offense is not a joke. And it's something we've been talking about for a bit. At least I've been trying to say is like, if they can hit, maybe their pitching can kind of hold them over. And that's kind of what happened yesterday with Dylan Bundy is he was able to at least slow down the lineup and get shut them out. Like there can be a threat and that's something we have to be aware of at least. Yes. Offensively. So,
0: so let's clarify before Mason, before you go, um, weigh in. Um, you have been saying all season and I have been uh, denying and uh, I've been uh, just not agreeing and denying and saying you're crazy Julio you don't know what you're talking about your full shit but uh, this past series has proven you right once again um, you know checkmate <laughs> yeah uh, so Mason the past week what uh, how did you feel about it so winning is a hell of a deodorant uh, yeah so, so when
2: you're winning, you're able to kind of squint and you don't really see the problems. But, you know, after losing those two, you started to realize that if we can't hit with runners in scoring position, we're not going to be able to make a deep run this year. If we're only relying on the long ball and just leaving guys on base, then uh, this offense can slip into moments of ineptitude. And so that was really frustrating to watch. Recency bias is really strong. I felt really terrible the last two days. But the win today helped salvage the series, and I feel a little bit better. But I realized as I was watching Trout like two days ago, he is the best player I've ever seen. And I know that's not a revelation, but, you know, if we get killed by Trout every once in a while, I think it's somewhat understandable. The pitching rotation scaring me a little bit. I feel really good about Luzardo and Montas,
0: but after that, it's a little iffy. You don't feel uh, good about Bassett? I, I... I feel like Bassett's had two really strong starts, and then today, you know, not as good, but it wasn't, like, abysmal. It wasn't, like, it wasn't, like, Manaya like, like, completely blowing the game. Yeah, but do you want Chris Bassett to be your number three
2: starter? Like, I like Bassett fine as the number five guy, uh, but... I don't know, but if we're looking at other big threes of the contenders, is Bassett going to be able to go up against uh, a third? Base? I wouldn't
0: feel terrible about it. I mean, think about so. Let's say we go into a five-game series with Lazardo and, and Montas, two of the probably the ten best pitchers in in the league right now, um, at least performance the past couple couple weeks. Um, you know, let's say they were up two games, like I wouldn't feel bad about throwing Bassett out there at game three. Um, I wouldn't feel bad about any of our guys. I think, you know, Fire's had two bad starts. He had one really quality one. He's one of those guys who is typically pretty consistent once he gets in a rhythm. So once he gets going, I, f- I feel confident and he'll be obviously our number three guy. Um Shamanaya, I mean, is just I said it last week, like I don't I don't know. Should we just get should we jump into our um our last week tailgate tools of the week? Leo.
1: Well, Yeah, I do. Oh, Sorry. So <clears throat> I mentioned this earlier uh, in our group chat, but you have to think about we weren't even supposed to be in this scenario. It was supposed to be Puck in this five spot. Of yeah. Firm, and then now that he's hurt, and he's not going to be pitching in the rotation at least, uh, it kind of had me thinking that we only have a couple more weeks left until the trade deadline. So here, quick hypothetical names. Let's put them out there. These first three guys are guys who's contracts and at the end of the year. And one of them is like a F it go on Lynn. uh, Rick Porcello. He's having a little bit of a bounce back with the Mets. Mets are not playing well. He very much fits that Oakland scheme cheap one year. Is Get he still
0: Met. on that Boston contract? Would we have to eat some of that? Or would, would the Mets take that? Or uh, have, has Boston taken that?
1: I'd imagine the, no, well, he signed a one year deal. He was a free agent. He signed a one year deal with the Mets. Okay. Um, I mentioned him earlier, Kevin Gausman, having a decent season for the Giants. Uh, if you can get some runs behind him, he could be a decent, decent pitcher. And, again, go big or go home. Trevor Bauer, free agent at the end of the year. If the Reds are out of contention, if they really just want to make a move for it, there you go. And now, we have three more guys. These are guys who are through 2021, same formula. Two guys are like, okay, if they're out of contention, and then three, go big or go home. Uh, Carlos Martinez... The Reds, the Cardinals, I don't think are ever going to play baseball again <laughs> at this rate. Yeah, they uh, might
0: put a fire sale if they're never if they if the if Major League Baseball just suspends the rest of their season.
1: Yeah, so that's a decent option. Let's uh, bring back our dude Geo. If the White Sox are going to be out of contention, get him on the cheap. He's somebody he performs. White well- Sox are the-
0: playing good right now, Julio. The White yeah. Sox are playing good right now.
1: And again, this is somebody if they fall out of contention because they haven't been playing great lately. A big, girl home guy. <laughs> Max are not going to Oh gonna my happen. god,
0: alright, so let's just, we're going to end it but right there. But then also, <laughs>
1: uh, you guys were bringing up this point that, or I made this point earlier about Francona, if Mike is on the market, and if you learned from that lesson.
2: I'm wondering, in a shortened season, how much are these guys going to cost? Are you really going to give up one of your top five, top ten guys in your farm system? Uh, for 30 games 35 Guys games. guys
0: We're not the, Trading is not going to be a thing this season It's just not It's too risky Like yeah It's going to be available But no one's going to want to fucking trade players Because no player is going to want to be a part of trades No one's going to want to Like put that that to risk Especially in such a shortened season They're going to be there for what 15 games They're going to move their family across the, across the country For 15 games It's Like I'm telling you right now Like trades are not going to be a thing Maybe a few like small bullpen guys On like More than just like rentals this season but like I, I just don't I don't see the deadline being a thing this season I really don't
1: well we already had a trade from our Oakland great Yonder Alanto traded back <laughs> to the Padres back with his brother wasn't,
0: he wasn't playing though
1: yeah that's true but all I'm saying is if we're in a five-game series and you're it's a five-game series against uh, let's say the Rays who would you rather have as your number three pitcher going against Blake Snell Tyler Glasnow and um, Charlie Morton would rather have Chris Bassett, who Mason brought this point up in our group chat where he he's pitching. He's, he had a fine game today, but there's a potential where he's going to regress to the mean or fucking take a shot at somebody like Rick Porcello, who the guys was a Cy Young winner. The guys won a world series. See, we can get out of him. We've known that there's been certain guys who they've been okay at best. You trade them to the pitch in the Coliseum. Mike Fires. Look how much better his value has become from playing in Detroit than coming back to Oakland and actually putting together a pretty manageable start- starter career.
0: I uh, I I I am a lot more confident in Chris Bassett than you guys are because I very much like him in the way he's pitched the past two seasons. So I feel comfortable with him at three, at the number three spot. But he won't be, I think he'll be the number four made- guy.
1: We just made show history. I think this is the first time where you've been more optimistic about something than I have.
0: Yeah, 100%. I'm typically the one who's ready to just light the house on fire and dip out. Um, to hijack the conversation for a second, do you know
2: what's up with the Elk League? I know he tested positive for COVID, so that voided his contract. I'm just thinking getting a run producer in the lineup, especially if La Rihanna is missing time, do you think there would be any chance the A's would bring him in for her?
1: Yo, I don't I didn't even think I don't, about
0: that. I don't think it's worth it either. I feel like we gotta have guys in house who can make it happen. We're, our outfield has been killing it with their bats, except for Kamar Canna as of late. Only as of late. But all season, our outfield has pretty much been the core of our offense, and they all can play pretty above average defense. Um, I'm, I'm, and we have four guys. Like I think it, what it is is just Grossman, Canna, and Piscotti just have to play every day while he's gone. What That's if we put him at DH? That. I don't know, man.
1: Mason, you son of a bitch. <laughs> What's the All thing right. for Rick and Marty, you son of a bitch, I'm in. Alright guys,
0: let's uh let's jump into um um our last week's tailgate tool of the week, which mine was Sean Minaiah for the second week in a row. Um he did exactly what we were fearful of and what we said. Um I think he's I think the bullpen's a move for him. He pitches well for one to. or two innings and and then and then he falls off after after the third or after after Two in a two in a first or two in a second. Um, it's just I think he, I think he could be a really good bullpen asset. And you know when Puck comes back, I think you just gotta like, even though it's risky, and I know Bob Melvin doesn't want to do it, but it's only it's a short season, so maybe there won't be as much wear and tear. Maybe you put a pitch count on him, like eighty-five pitches or something, and you throw Puck in there because it's just it's not working with Manaya, and he needs to get his confidence back so he can be ready for the future for this team and. In the offseason, he works on it, gets it going, comes in the next season, is one of our best pitchers. But mm-hmm. right now, it's just too risky with a 60-game season.
1: Well, did you yeah. see uh, the Braves had actually sent down – Sean Newcomb had been struggling pretty hard, and he actually got sent to their alternate site. So like, do you oh, even, really? Do you even think that that might be something to help him? But at that point, it's like, well, who do you plug into that spot in the rotation? Do you just have it be the, the bullpen roll and keep depleting those guys?
2: I, I, Megden has not looked good. Yeah,
0: I, Megden's been been rough. I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think when Puck comes back, you just got to throw him in there. I mean, I don't know. I mean. Megden wasn't to, half bad I'd, last night, actually. I'd have to look at who we have in camp. Uh, Paul Blackburn's the first name that comes to mind. Um, Daniel Gossett is another name, name that comes to mind. I don't no, know dude, where he, he where cut. he's at. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't know where he was at with his Tommy John. Um Yeah, I don't know. This is a big dilemma. I think that's the reason why Mania is still starting. You know, otherwise, I feel like this would have been um, changed um, a little bit ago.
1: It's a little, yeah. It's worrisome. Um, It's and the thing is, like, we love him so much because of like he's been such a great presence to the team. Uh, You can kind of say because we were in a little bit of a funk going into that after that Seattle series. And when we had that huge off, huge offense explosion, he was kind of the guy to bring everybody's spirits back together, and he started yeah. he started the man-chap me, man. Like, man he started chat. man-chap. And now we just all have to yell at each other when Matt Chapman does something great. Uh, so he's, impor- he's important for that sense. You need somebody like him, especially when everybody's extremely paranoid with COVID and everything. You need somebody who's going to keep things light and fun. But like, he's we're running out of options with him. We don't have much time. We can't, re- especially if we go to the, if we make it to a champ, the ALCS. We can't rely on him to start any of those games, and we will need somebody to get be in there.
2: Yeah, from a likability standpoint, I is up there with anybody on this team. I want him to succeed. He's just he's broken right now. Uh, I don't know what you can do. Maybe some simulated starts will right the ship, but. It's the velocity is concerning. Uh, I don't know if he's what it is about this second time through the order, the guys just figured him out, but he he threw a uh, no hitter, so the guy's clearly got stuff that's,
0: um, you know, a viable starting pitcher,
1: yeah, definitely.
0: Um, all right, so, uh, Julio, you're who's your tailgate to the That's right. So he bat- let's hear it.
1: Uh, this is why we're going to sign Yasel Puig and be our DH. He batted uh, <laughs> uh, 16 appearances. Uh, he batted 188. He had a two-hit game uh, against Houston. Great job. Yeah. Man. The thing is, I, the point I was trying to make with uh, when I chose him was, like, when he starts clicking, the offense explodes. If He's he's kind of the, the the gaslighter of this whole thing. And something we've kind of learned over this last week and a half is he's not anymore. When this was a team when he was a veteran in 17... The, the veteran guy in 17 and 18 and and Chappie and Olsen and Loriano kind of relied on him for that. They've kind of taken over that mantle where these are the guys. If you look at what Matt Chadman has done over the last week and what Loriano's done all season, on Olsen offensively-wise... They don't, it's sad. Um, they don't need him anymore. It's like that. Yeah. It's like that meme of the Ninja Turtles when they're all a baby and Master Splinter is like carrying them, like holding them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the Ninja Turtles are full grown and now they're all like carrying Master Splinter. It's Chris Davis.
2: I wonder if that, like, is also contributing to the mental funk that he's in, realizing that the team doesn't really need him. And Damn. if that's messing with his confidence. That's a fucking
0: great point. I didn't think about that. Another guy I want to
2: succeed. Uh, did you guys read that athletic article about him having the yips, not being able to throw it? Yeah. Field? yeah. Yeah. So if a guy. I'm neurotic, so those in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. That being said, I wonder if it's a similar funk. That he's facing at the plate i now. didn't even
0: try to think about associating that that makes oh my god that makes a ton of sense both those things both like the you know like the the kids like leaving the nest and and the yips like he's clearly mental the mental part of the game is clearly a very like Im- impactful thing in the way in the way he plays i yeah man it's i I think we I mean we've talked about it a lot, Julio, on this podcast over the past four episodes. It's it's a tough situation because I love the guy and we spent money on him and I was so happy about that and I wanted him to prove the front office wrong about like long contracts and it's just like it's just tough. I don't know what to do with him now. So like especially when we have like these guys, these four outfielders who are all playing great and should be playing every day and if he's not hitting well, like all right, well then Canna should D H today or Grossman should DH today because they're being productive. Um, yeah, I. Wh- what did you? So, oh, just so I just wanted to break this down for the listeners, just so that people understand what the tailgate tool of the week, what we, we're picking for, it's not necessarily like the guy who we think is just going to like splash that week. It's just the guy who we think that the listeners should watch in the coming week, and the and we give the reasons why. So, um. I just wanted to make that clear. Not that you guys said anything about it, but I just wanted to make that clear. Like, So Julio made that a point because Chris Davis has been struggling all, all, um, all season. Um, we've had a lot of production again, like I've been saying for the past weeks, from the outfield. We have guys who can come in and take that spot. Um, it almost feels like a waste of uh, at-bat um, in the lineup, and we have guys who can be productive there. So he was saying keep an eye on that to see how he does and if he does well this could be home run fest 2020 and if he doesn't you know we're gonna be in this very sad mood that we are in right now because we all love this guy all right let's move on (laughs) on that note the end (laughs) all right so um let's pick our player of the week guys uh i think let's let mason go first since he's the guest what do you think julio
1: absolutely mason all right
0: uh recency bias is strong.
2: I'm gonna go uh Ramon Lariano with his two robbed home <laughs> maybe runs. I maybe and... I should maybe I should have made this
0: clear before you made this pick. So this is It's the, too late um, now, but it's yeah. too late now, but this is the Um, honorary, uh, this is the name of the award, it's the honorary um, try-to-pick-someone-other-than-Ramon-Loriano Player of the Week Award. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Because every week it's Ramon Uh, Loriano, and we've agreed to that. Literally every single week, me and Julio have been like, so the obvious one's Ramon, so let's pick someone else. uh But that's fine, you didn't know, so Ramon is your pick. Please keep going. Uh,
2: Okay. Uh, I think his, you know, these are all going to get tied together later, but in the outfield having a plus defender is just such a strength um being able to i think psychologically there's a bump that comes from one of those great plays a home run robbery and today really blew the game open hit with runners in scoring position and yeah it's just that swagger and confidence that i think the team needs to rally behind
0: all right julio what's yours
1: um, I I I I try not to go with. Ah, oh, fuck! I'm going go the obvious. Matt Chapman, <laughs> man, chap, tore it up this week. He batted 310 over the last week. Four home runs. Um, something about playing against his hometown team, the Angels, he brings his absolute best. He had a web gem at third the other night, where he had Mike Trout at third, just looking at him, just like. You just did that kind of thing. And when you have the best player of our generation just, like, odd, fantastic. And he also had a great quote where uh, Albert Pujols, because if Albert Pujols wouldn't hit that ball, he would have at least got two RBIs out of it. And and Albert was like, oh, you stole a couple RBIs from me. And Matt's like, well, I figured you have so many, so you didn't (laughs) Yeah. Fat.
2: Did I see correctly, Julio, that he has the most extra base hits in baseball now? Have you seen that? Matt Chapman. Yes. I'm gonna. We, yeah. Fat, no, yeah. Fact check that while, with... while
1: Chris does his. But um, no, I I did not wear that. But he's he's one of those guys. Over the first couple weeks, he wasn't. He even defensively, he was having some shortcomings. Hitting, it wasn't there. But now he's like full fledged. He's in full on. MVP or MVP Platinum Glove mode right now, and yeah. I don't expect him to fall down from this.
0: So, since you picked uh, Manchap, which is uh, a very good one, uh, which was on my list, I will pick another obvious one. Um, Frankie Montaz put together two uh, fantastic starts. He is a Cy Young candidate as we speak right now. He is he has made himself the clear ace of our staff great leader he's just great stuff he's throwing 99 he's fucking changing it down at fucking 81 miles per hour just insane drop in velocity from that from that fastball that changeup. he's just fucking killing it he's hitting in all of his spots hitters are afraid of him he's not a big strikeout guy does everything else well he's just he's he's never it almost he's almost never in trouble like the most trouble he's been in the past three starts has been like a runner on second like it's fucking it's insane i love it so much so um and also um he was named um major league baseball's american league player of the week last week so double whammy for him congratulations frankie you won the major league baseball player of the week and he won the town tailgate player of the week so good job by you awesome good job stat by you, too frankie.
1: <laughs> awesome stat too uh, I forgot where I saw the source of this. The exit velocity off of his the uh, his pitches mm-hmm. off of like off the bat, yeah. eighty four point six mile per hour. It's That's the, it. Wow, it's the, among the lowest in baseball. Good shit. So when you do something like that and you have killer defense,
2: yeah. Uh, so Julio to follow up. Matt Chapman is tied for the American League, uh, with three others, including Aaron Judge, he has 11 extra
0: base hits, and in the National League, it's Fernando Tatis. That does not surprise me at 13. all. Um, player of the Year right He's now. Been killing it. Okay, guys, so uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we will come right back with our featured segment. Um, this one, is very specific specific to Mason's expertise, former political science major. Um, so, we'll again take a quick break and be right back. <music> Okay, welcome back. This is Town Tailgate, obviously, with Chris and Julio. Uh, Mason Livingston is joining us this week. So this week's uh, featured segment, boys, um, is going to be called Stick to Sports. So whenever an athlete or organization or whatever it is gets involved with anything outside of sports, politics, um, mostly politics, uh, anything like that, um, we always hear fans say, Stick to sports. So this is going to be a segment where um, we talk about anything involving the A's that is outside of the game of baseball. So this week, um, something very interesting happened. Dave Cavill, president of the Oakland A's, um, announced that they um, are issued a lawsuit um, against the California Department of Toxic, Toxic Substances Control um over its alleged pollution at Stitzer I think that's it Stitzer Steel uh medical shredding facility um in West Oakland near the Howard Terminal apparently they have been polluting the bay um uh and have not been taking good care of their facility I believe they had six fires in the past at their facility in the past uh five fires uh five fires in the past um 3 years um Again, this is the A's that are suing this company, not the city or the county of Alameda, city of Oakland or county of Alameda. So I found that to be very interesting. So that's why, that's a big reason why we brought Mason on also this week, because we want to find out um, from someone who knows politics um, what's going on. So, Mason, I'll let you, I, I mean, I'll let you just kind of take it away from here, I think.
2: Yeah, so a little bit of background. Uh, this is all stemming from a 2014 Senate bill, Senate Bill 1249, uh, which calls to regulate shredded automobile and appliance waste, and it rescinds exemptions granted to the industry decades ago. So Schnitzer Steel has been around for over 50 years. They were one of those uh, industries that was exempted from some of the environmental regulations. So they were able to kind yeah. of just do whatever the hell they wanted Okay, that was probably a little aggressive, but regardless, there wasn't much oversight. And then so this bill then gave them until January of 2018 to comply with the standards. Uh, And it really came about because NBC Bay Area did this investigation that exposed this long history of poor regulation. um, And also, like you mentioned earlier, there have been a lot of fires. And this is really an environmental equity issue. It tends Mm -hmm. to be that people, low-income residents, have a lot of health issues because wealthier people say, not in my backyard. So they might want the benefits of some industry, but they don't want any of the negative health impacts. So a lot of those companies, like Schnitzer Steel, end up operating in low-income areas, and then those residents end up having higher rates of asthma and respiratory issues that all stem from um, these environmental practices. Uh, So, Schnitzer, even after this bill, Senate Bill 1249, was passed, they have not been complying, and the A's sent them a notification, I think, 18 months ago, still didn't comply, so this litigation is against, actually, it's a suit filed against the California Department of Toxic, Toxic Substances Control trying negligence against against
0: like regulating them or something like that. exactly so
2: we're trying to get this oversight um this regulatory uh committee to actually do what they're supposed to do and try to clamp down on some of this pollution that schnitzer has been doing um we're gonna see what actually happens uh it's a lot of grandstanding i think from both sides you have uh Schnitzer who opposes the stadium, they're trying to claim that this is retaliation. Uh they're trying to claim that the A's coming in here, they just want to build these luxury apartments and it's actually going to uh make it so that West Oakland residents that have high paying blue collar jobs, many of them being people of color, are going to lose their jobs. And they're really trying to uh, distract from what's actually happening and portray the A's as the uh, the bad guys here. Uh, uh, Caval, to his credit, said um, that they'd still pursue this even if they weren't building there, which I think is a good point, is that regardless of the stadium, these environmental issues are still there. It's impacting people,
0: so it needs to get fixed. So he put out um, his statement in 16 parts of tweets, so a 16-part tweet and one that was like really caught my eye said these materials are continuously left outside where they can leach into soil and groundwater, blow off site and catch fire. These hashtag Stitzer fires have are well known at least six in the past 11 years, five since January of 2018, which is when you said they first notified them about doing something about it. And they just completely ignored them. Many send dark pl- blooms of smoke into the sky. Um, the I can read the stitcher um, statement if you guys want. It's pretty um, in your face. Um, it's pretty. Just I'm gonna read part of it. The Oakland A's attack on the Department of Toxic Substances Control and sister Steel is nothing more than an altercation or uh, acceleration of an A's efforts to dismantle the Port of Oakland and make room for their waterfront stadium and luxury housing development. The men and women that work at the Port have been clear that the A's plan is incompatible with their work and will put risk many of the last high-paying blue-collar jobs held by the black residents in Oakland, just like you said, Mason. Suing the state agency that regulates industrial businesses in an attempt by the A's to distract from the lack of information and accountability they have demonstrated in their planning for a commercial real estate development at Working Waterfront as a recycler, that has been serving the Oakland community for 50 years. We are committed to reducing emissions, saving water, conserving energy, and reducing landfill usage. We invest significantly in raising the industry standard for safety and sustainability, including more than $30 million in the industry, leading emissions control and environment projects in the Oakland facility.
2: <laughs> so that was clearly written by somebody that has their master's in PR.
0: They didn't really address the issue
2: <laughs> yeah, of, yeah. if you're doing everything right then bring on the litigation, right? The point of litigation is, I mean, it gets a bad name, oh, you're suing somebody, but that's how change gets done here in the United States. And if you're not doing anything wrong,
0: let the courts figure that out. So, like, this, this alliance, this Oakland Stadium alliance, East Oakland Stadium alliance, that, like, came up to try and, like, go against the stadium... Being built at the port, like I, I just don't understand. Like they're complaining that it's going to take away jobs from blue collar workers, but it, the stadium is going to build jobs for blue collar workers. Like it's going to be put, bring around um, businesses that are going to be open to, like 365 days out of the year. It's going to be a lively nighttime area that's going to like work that's not so like physically demanding and bad for your health. That's the kind of my point on it. Um, and go ahead. I Julio. think
1: that's something as we're going into a very much more social conscience when it comes to climate change, when you're seeing to kind of a, a bigger scale, when you see uh, coal jobs getting reduced and some of those people are now learning a new craftsmanship and work within clean energy. Nobody is saying, or something that could happen is yes, some of these people could potentially lose their jobs as blue collars, but does not mean that they can pick up the same trait with helping build the Coliseum or helping doing maintenance, of the Coliseum or this new, Howard Terminal Stadium and main, learning some electrical work with there and working within the fields itself because, yes, there are blue-collar jobs there, but the potential of how many jobs could come out of the Howard Terminal Stadium and all the residency around it, it's something that East, West Oakland has needed for decades. Uh, we've all grew up in the East Bay, and Antioch, and we know when we would take BART into San Francisco never get my parents to tell us don't get out at West Oakland because of how rough West Oakland is and it was and and fortunately still is and it has been that way for a long time and you're seeing what's happening now with Oakland with a lot of people who can't afford San Francisco anymore are jumping over to Oakland and it's starting to happen a little bit with West Oakland you're starting to see things that were um, not as cleaned up are starting to happen, but now these people are getting displaced and they're kind of losing their job. This whole gentrification, yeah, unfortunately. Um but if the stadium were to be built, you were to allow some of these people who've been living in West Oakland their whole lives have the opportunity where you don't need to have a craftsmanship uh, job to stay and working in the West Oakland area. You can work with an operation. It's like game day operations. You can work with the ticket sales. There's so many thousands of jobs that could be lined up, not just in the stadium, but within the residency or the the complex, whatever you want to call it themselves. Um, and we brought up earlier, West Oakland has had a history of bad health issues. If you look through the demographics Unfortunately, the majority, majority of the people who have lived there have been minorities, and unfortunately, they've had a long history of health issues. We have a lot of people who had battled with diabetes, and now we're in this global pandemic, and guess who's getting hit the hardest? In Oakland. West Oakland is. Yeah. And a big part of these these people who probably had these conditions because of how like malpractice this plant was. Um, we also have... Think about like for us, what's the the Chevron and Martinez and this is like a Chevron plant, and all the time we knew that was that would catch fire, and we would just like we got to stay inside. This has happened five times for them in that time So that you mentioned. Yeah, Mason. it's
0: fucking wild. Yeah. Um, and and, so- and Cav- Cavill says in in this statement, sorry Mason, just real quick, that um, it affects twenty three thousand West Oakland residents within that mile radius of that of that plant um that they know of that they know of
2: yeah and i i think this is the first of many converse similar conversations we're going to have in the next year and a half or so uh covid delayed the environmental impact report that all major construction projects have to go through to get uh, approved and within the environmental impact report they have to discuss all um how the project's going to impact the environment including the population, traffic, schools, fire, endangered species, etc. And then they have to show with their response how they're going to mitigate those negative impacts. So I'm just hoping this is the first step by the A's that throughout the process they're going to be dedicated to maintaining that environmental equity that really hasn't been a priority for so many other uh, projects here in California.
0: I, I think like my biggest question though about this entire thing is why are the A's doing this? That that's like what 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 is what is it that they get out of? Like why isn't the city of Oakland the one that's pursuing this more? Um, I guess it's another government agency, so that's probably why. But like, uh, are they trying to go show good faith to like the residents? Are they trying to show good faith to the city of Oakland? Does this affect the building of their stadium? Is it because it's so close to the Howard Terminal that it could potentially affect um, like their water supply or their just you know, just people, um, you know, visiting the ballpark and whatnot. And I mean, I'm, I'm just very curious about that. It sounds like from the fires, that's a big issue that he's afraid that fire will go off like in the middle of a game. And then, you know, they have to, like, I don't know, but a, a
1: couple things that, uh, what I obviously there's probably something behind doors on why they're doing this. And I think that was the first thing we all thought of like, okay, what is Amelia doing for the ace? But if you look at the bigger picture of what this actually does, um, the team hashtag is rooted in Oakland and we've all been so pessimistic. We've been going through this new stadium talk for decades now. And this more or less proves to the fans, at least that they're doubling down on that statement Mm -hmm. that they're willing to say, I know people been saying they're going to leave the town. They're going to go to Portland. They're going to go to Vegas. I think them actually putting this at a higher scale shows that like we are invested in the city. This is our future. We want to be here. Whether it is at Howard Terminal or if we're going to remain at the Coliseum site, we care. We care about the city. And who knows? That could be the political statement behind it. The other thing that comes out of this is they're now – Chris, you mentioned how they brought up – the NBC Bay Area brought had an interview about this before. had a segment about brought it. it up, but yeah. now you're bringing this up to a bigger picture of it. If this com- now that if this doesn't fall through with the A's, what makes us think that over the next few years our Senate and our governors, our political system in California, doesn't see that this is something that people really care about in the region? Because now they're sparking interest in the residents of Oakland who didn't know about this before. Yeah, yeah, I don't know exactly
2: what their intent is. Um, it might just be lip service. I hope it's sincere. Um, but you know, even if it's not, do the ends justify the means? Even if they're doing this for political capital, it's still going to accomplish something that's good for the West Oakland residents.
0: Yeah, I mean, all in all, it's great. I mean, and and it's it's helping out, you know, residents of of that area. It's, but um, I just was very curious if it because at first I thought this the lawsuit was to Stitzer steel not not the government agency so i think that kind of changes my view so when i heard that i was like i wonder what it is i wonder if like maybe the city doesn't quite have the legal capital to pursue this lawsuit maybe the a's do and they said we'll you know we'll scratch your back if you scratch ours later and we'll use the powers that be that we have but but i but after finding out that it's a government agency i don't i don't think that's necessarily a thing i think that this is an independently um uh, put together project by the A's, yeah.
2: and if I understand the lawsuits, just suing for compliance. I don't think there's a monetary benefit to the A's at all. Yeah,
0: yeah. From what I read, there, there, there's no benefit. There's no money or anything. It's just, it's more just exposure and and holding them accountable and whatnot.
1: You know, it'd be pretty cool if we were to get somebody who is like was from Oakland and is aware of this in the White House and then, like, maybe they could put into a bigger picture and slow these things down. I don't want
0: to get into the Kamala Harris pick. I have maybe. my thoughts you know on it. You know
1: what, Chris, 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 stick to sports. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll
0: maybe stick to somebody sports that was sure born
1: that
2: in one. Berkeley.
0: <laughs> she's great, San but Francisco she's, DA. She's, she wasn't my pick. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, cool. Stick to sports, Chris. Yeah, stick to sports for sure. How I, I will. All right, that's fun segment. Yeah, about. thank thanks for coming on and talking about that, Mason. Um, yeah, definitely. Again, he you you know and understand a lot more about that stuff than we do. So, boys, it's towards the end of the episode, so let's um let's preview the coming week, shall we? Let's do it. So, today was the final day, um, Wednesday, the twelfth of the series against the Angels. Again, we dropped that series, um, two games to one. Uh, we won today, eight to four. Um, but this weekend we have, you know, it should be a little bit easier, so we can maybe build our confidence back up. We got the Giants in a three game series. Friday at six forty five p.m. Uh, Saturday at a four oh seven start time. I thought that was kind of weird. Uh, you think because it's a nationally that's televised the, game? Yeah,
1: you mentioned earlier, off air, but yeah, it's yeah, gonna be the game on Fox. That
0: makes sense. I think that's probably why. And then Sunday at one, uh, 5 p.m. should be a breeze. They're not playing so well. Um, and then we jump into a four game series against the um Arizona Diamondbacks uh two games away in Arizona uh 6:40 start time on Monday the 17th excuse me 3:10 start time on um Tuesday the 18th and then uh, back home 6:40 start time at um on Wednesday and then uh 6:40 start time again on um, Thursday. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I think I think we can expect a sweep out of the Giants. Maybe they can pull one out. I don't know if Cueto's pitching or not. If he is, that's something to be worried about. But then um, the Dynamax played pretty well this past week. I think we can go 3-1. Uh, maybe I'm just overconfident, but 2-2-3-1 I think seems pretty reasonable.
1: Uh, the, th- the thing about the, the Giants, because, again, Bay Bridge series – even if the Giants are haven't been good or great, really, there this is only going to be competitive, especially with our friends and family. Yeah, definitely, going can hear those people. Yeah, uh, they've actually haven't been half bad. Like they're kind of playing above their like we thought for sure they were going to be a bottom feeder. Yeah, and they haven't been too bad. You got to give some credit where credit's due to the team. They're eight and twelve. Um, I mean.
0: They play in the toughest division no. in baseball too, so like that's saying it's something that they are competing with at eight and twelve.
1: Yeah, you have to give Gabe Kapler some credit where credit was due. The teams actually hasn't been as terrible as we thought they were. Um Donovan Solano's really been great up in the in, in at second. Um but for this yeah, there's this shouldn't be a, an issue though. <laughs> after all this.
2: You go ahead, Mason. <laughs> yeah, have you guys seen some of these boneheaded things the Giants
0: manager has done? Um, please, please give me some examples.
2: So I think it started with uh, him not warming up a guy. Uh, I think it was one of his first games. Like He didn't warm up one of his bullpen guys, and he was trying to get extra time, so they gave him some leniency. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on some of the other ones. I'll pull it up right now. Oh God! Oh, when he was with the Phillies, uh-huh.
0: right? It's a he. he, he historically he, is kind of a, a weird dude when it comes to management.
2: I think he thought that uh, if you like sunbathe naked, it'll in- increase your testosterone with the sun <laughs> hitting your junk.
1: Gabe, uh, Gabe was the guy. He's look. He's been pretty. He's been very progressive about being a, the manager for the Giants. Uh, they they're honestly they're making the team functional and somebody we didn't bring up Mike Estrensky he's been killing yeah it. he's
0: on my fancy team it's been great um, uh, yeah he's having a great year he, I mean he's 30 years old so I, a lot of people are bringing that up lately that he's you know kind of like people are saying like he's the future of the team and they're like well he's 30 years old but I mean you know he bounced around a little bit but he's he's found his own and he's, he's fucking playing really well um, he's the, he's a building block for the future for them so I think that's something to be happy about
1: Tan, shout out to Tanner Rilkoson real quick he brought up a really great point when it came to Mike Ostransky, which was Farhad Zahidi, uh, GM for the Giants, came from the Dodgers. Yeah. That's a specialty. Think about just who, who was Justin Turner before he the Dodgers That's picked a good him point. up? Who was Chris Taylor? Who was take a big? God damn it. Max Muncie mm-hmm. before the Dodgers picked him
0: yeah, up. Yeah, he finds that talent. Diamonds in the He room. finds he finds yeah. something in minimum and he he utilizes it. Um so uh Frankie Montaz faces uh johnny cueto that's a projected starter at least on friday so that should be interesting i'm glad that it's Montas going up against cueto and not someone else um lizardo will play um gaussman on uh saturday uh,
1: lizardo national tv Woo.
0: i know that's gonna be fucking awesome that's nice. and then that's sean nice. Mania is gonna go up against webb on sunday so hopefully Mania can bounce back we'll see did you uh, did you find it, Mason? The the list of uh, things? Yes, that there does. was
2: one. I haven't found a whole list, but there was one a couple weeks ago. They lost in the tenth inning uh, because he messed up, went to the mound twice, and there's a rule that they had to stay in longer.
0: So <laughs> is he just know. like high all the time? Like is he just smoking up in the <sighs> fucking dugout? I don't understand what's going on here. The, he, he's a character, I would say. <laughs> uh,
2: but like, if you if you know you're not good at the minutiae, get a guy that's just a, a rules expert to kind of be your yeah. advisor.
0: I, you know who uh, I was listening to um, uh, Baseball Barbecue the other day. You know who they brought up who would have been a great manager and also kind of nostalgic for the Giants? Dusty fucking uh, Baker. He would have been fucking great for them. And that would have been like so much fun for him to be back there. Um, I think he wanted to win. I think that's the reason why yeah. he came back. So he went with the Astros. But like him having to deal with all this bullshit is so not worth it. He could have just been sitting back, relaxing in San Francisco. Fans would have loved him. It would have just been like a reunion tour. It would have been given. No. It would have given and Kru- Kru- Kype something to finally talk about on their broadcast. I don't
1: know. I forgot. You're very anti Kruk and Kype.
0: I would not say I'm anti. I'm just not all about him. Like Giants fans claim that Swing they're like the, the greatest like duo of all time. Anyway, keep going.
1: Um, I look. I think Giants fans, well, let me clarify this, realistic Giants fans uh, are aware they weren't going anywhere this place. So, yeah. why bring in somebody, and Cespedes, Like we're big fans of those guys, the Cespedes Family Barbecue.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, why bring in somebody who's older, who would want to win now, who's kind of an older generation of playing, to this team where we don't know what the hell this team is. You got holdovers from the World Series title, you have a 30-year-old rookie. You don't really have guys coming up in the pipeline yet. I know everybody's still talking about Joey Bart, but he still hasn't showed up yet. So, this is just a a team looking really weird spot.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like Dusty's a pretty um, uh, progressive, older manager though. He's kind of adapted to the analytics and stuff, but yeah. all right, guys. Let's pick our uh, essential tool of the week for this coming week. Uh, Mason, you are the guest, so you can go first. All right. A
2: little bit better prepared than this, than doing a Lariano, But if he was going to play, <laughs> that would be my, my pick.
0: This one but, doesn't have an honorary name. It's just essential yes. tool. Essential so the essential
2: tool for the week is Mark, can I get a bat flip? Ooh, I like that one. I think with Lariano being out, we need our boy to step up. He's going to get a lot of at-bats. His OPS last year was, uh, let's see, 913 last year. He's at 731 this year. I'm not expecting him to get above 900 again, but if he can get back to that 850 range, I don't think they would miss Lariano too much. And... Again, being kind of a spark plug in the lineup, it seems like that confidence when he's uh, when he's raking, the rest of the team gets fired up as well. So I think their outfield is going to be depleted. If Lariano serves this sp-
0: suspension, I think he'll be crucial for the A's having a good week against inferior opponents. So I was really high on him last week, and we've been talking about him a lot because I've been so high on him all, all season because I feel like he's his average doesn't necessarily uh, is not a telltale of, of his production this season um, so his o- his OBP is now 385 um, but he had really good plate discipline the first three weeks he had an OBP of 500 500 so half the time he had an at bat he got on base that's fucking wild um, his OPS was in the nines earlier but obviously it dropped a lot this week and his average too but I like that pick good pick alright Julio
1: uh, I I realize that all of our picks are probably going to be dependent on the Sloriano suspension. Yeah. That's going to be guys. So Mine definitely uh, is. I'm going to go with somebody who's slowly becoming like one of my favorite guys on the team. And that's Tony Kemp. Um,
0: I like that Tony one Kemp
1: actually over the last week, he's been playing a lot more second base than we thought he would be playing. Uh, he's actually bad at two eighty six too. He doesn't have the power. He gets on base. He's got wheels. He's kind of doing the little things that we need for him to do. What's going to happen over this next week, too, even with uh, lineup, trickerations, whatever's going to be going on, I think he's probably going to be in there every day because of the Laureano suspension, where is going to be used a lot more in the outfield, and we're going to see guys like uh, Piscotti or Canna hit in DH while Kresch is, unfortunately, regressing. So we're going to be a lot more dependent on him. Um, and something that I'm actually really happy that it's doing, we talked about earlier with the plus one... Uh, if initiative and a lot of his teammates have even though this is his first year with the team a lot of the guys have really bought into him so quickly to the fact that uh one of my favorite things he's become our walk-off celebration guy yeah he's been he's so been, the first few yeah, yeah
0: you go ahead, we talked
1: about the yeah we talked about the pre-show who's the first person running out there with the Gatorade bucket full of water it's Tony Kent. Yeah, you can tell he's so just having a blast imagine. and
0: enjoying the guys and the guys he's are loving him too. Yeah. yeah.
1: And he's playing against his former team in where the team that is playing in Houston. Or I'm sorry. Following week. My mistake got a little far ahead. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't expect anything huge, but if you're if he can provide that same productivity where you're bat two eighty six the week before, if you can provide that for the bottom of the lineup. Especially when your two hole hitter, say if he's hitting nine, and your two hole hitter, if Laureano is not going to be there, and you have, if you can start off that plug with, with, with in the middle of a game as their leadoff hitter of that said inning with Lorena or with, uh, assuming hitting two, who knows? I am, I'm excited for him.
0: Yeah, I, I like that pick too. He, and, and Pinder's not playing so well. So, um, <clears throat> You're right. I think Pinder's going to be... had a be... great play. He had a great play last he night. He did. Though. He did. I think he's going to be the rest guy for the outfield moving forward if Loriano's out. Um, yeah. And it'll get speed on the bases for guys like when they get back to the top like Simeon and, and, and Loriano or won't well, be Laureano, but other guys to hit those guys in. So mine's going to be um, another guy who will be impacted by the Laureano suspension. Uh, Robbie Grossman. Um, already playing really well. Um, this season I've been really impressed with him hitting 311 right now just picked him up in my fantasy team had a killer day it's been great um but he's been doing it all he's been hitting it out of the park he's been getting on base when he needs to he always kind of seems to be the guy who starts the the inning uh, the offense in the inning um playing good defense as he did last season um uh, he also stealing a couple bases which is pretty cool but I think what's most important about him is someone's gonna have to hit in that number two hole for Loriano, and I think he's the guy because he's hitting so well and consistently getting on base so he moves runners up um, we need a guy who's going to who's hitting good average right now to get those extra at bats because the one and two hitters get more at bats than anybody on the team and throughout the game so you want a guy who's going to be consistent in getting in there um, moves runners up gets on base he's got some speed you can use him to bring uh, and you bring him in um, I think he's going to be really important so um if the Loreano suspension happens, so um I would say look out for him, and he's probably gonna play ninety percent of the um innings moving forwards if one when is out L'Oriano is out,
1: <laughs> sorry yeah, I sound like Stugats over there for a second Lorurano, yeah is that what saying? Loraño, Um yeah. yeah, but he's hitting he three eleven I guess you can say uh Amber's the color of his energy,
0: amber's color of his energy how about that <laughs> <laughs>
1: Actually, hypothetical. Uh, because you're a big proponent on the two-hole hitter should be your best hitter. Yeah. Kind of thing. For this week, while Laureano is out, why not move Chapman to the two-hole and then put... Gr- Grossman's actually hitting for some power where you can put him in the four-hole. So, I,
0: I think that's probably what they're going to do. Um, no, probably Olsen at four, and then they'll put um, Grossman at three. But... um. Grossman could hit two if we needed him to. I don't know, Mason, you look like you questioned that a little bit.
2: No, I I need to be more forgiving with Grossman. He had a pretty ugly year last year, and I'm holding some of that, but I need to give him a clean slate. Um, And he, he's been killing it late, lately. Uh, how many home runs does he have in the last week? Was it three?
0: Yeah. yeah uh, but I would
2: do Chapman two. I would think I would do Olsen three,
0: and then Canna four can of four grossman five maybe or Piscotti five grossman six yeah i mean i don't know he's just he's you you gotta got play the header. i feel like and he's been hot lately
1: he's also in a contract year so that's he's had point. something to play for so that's probably why he's a big reason why he's playing this level
0: all right boys that'll do it for this week thank you so much mason for coming on we really appreciate it um
1: it's been a pleasure mason thank you
0: uh, can't wait for
2: 2021 to actually go to an oakland
0: A's tailgate there you go. Thanks for being our first. Yeah, yeah, thanks for being our first guest. All right, so the game started. Let's uh, pack up the gear. Let's uh, put away the cornhole set and let's grab your last beer. And walk in for the game. Uh,
1: I'm actually going to sneak him in this time. There you go. Um,
0: so thanks for tuning jacket. in, and we'll see you guys next week. And most of all, last but not least, Julio. Let's go, Oakland! Boom. The Town Tailgate is an independently produced podcast. It is executive produced and written by me, Chris Madrigal, and Julio Renoso. It is produced by me. It is sound designed by me. The artwork and graphic design was done by Larry Madrigal, and the opening theme was composed, written, and produced by Larry Madrigal as well. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week.